0: Welcome back to another edition of Covered in Glory. How are you doing today, Brett?
1: I'm good. Other than the fact that uh, I went to my draft expert, Mikey Meatballs, to talk about the Packers pick, and I came away empty. I'm just disappointed. I think we need to reevaluate his status within the company um, after this conversation. So other than that, though, I can get through. I can model through. I can do the show. I can be a professional. Like, even though that was disappointing, I'm going to be a professional. I'm ready to go for a soccer podcast now.
0: Yeah, let's just say there's one person at this company who's untouchable, and it's
1: neither of us. So I don't know if that's the guy you want to go after. <laughs> no, um, I would never do that to me, Paul's Biggest West Ham fan I know.
0: So as you mentioned, we are recording this on Thursday night, and the NFL draft is going on, which is a perfect opportunity, Brett, to, for us to revisit the same gimmick we did last year. Uh, when the draft was going on last year, we said in the Premier League, what would happen if every single player suddenly became available and you got them on a five-year contract? All you just had to do is draft them. And we kind of went back and forth over who would be the most valuable guys. Uh, and since I looked back at that, I, I'm really proud of two things. Uh, one. I have come a long way from the complete and utter dumbass I was last year, and now I'm just a complete <laughs> dumbass. Not complete and utter, so I'm halfway. Right. Uh, halfway we dropped there. the utter. That's big. And, and two, the Premier League has added a crazy yeah. amount of talent in it's the last year. It wild is really to think about some ridiculous of the developments we've had. Um, particularly because one of the talking points when we did this last year was how there was a lot of guys who that were like 18, 19, 20, maybe twenty-one, then someone like. 28 29 30 year olds and there wasn't a lot in the middle and like since we had that conversation just the pipeline has been flooded with like the world's greatest like 23 to 28 year olds that aren't playing on uh you know Bayern, psg and and the two spanish giants like the league is just chock full of prime talent so given that i thought it'd be good for us to revisit this year and i don't even think there'll be uh hardly any of the same names as last year
1: Yeah, well, I mean, definitely, I'm not trying to touch a sore subject, but I remember one of the guys we debated a little bit was uh, Mason Mount, who's now found on the back of a milk carton. Um, Yeah. So... Yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm, it's, it's gonna be a thing. I, I think we just need to keep the show going, not just because for the network and for us and for everything, just so year after year we can go back to this little draft thing and just see how, see how it looks in a year's hindsight. So,
0: uh, this year we're gonna kind of go back and forth rather than just compare top five lists. But as a reminder, it's like the NFL draft, it's not like, you know, you're picking the, if you make five picks, you don't get those five guys on one club. Each got time. You pick a, a player. It's for a new club to build around, and the goal is to win championships in the next five years.
1: So you got it, Brett. You ready? To I go? got it. I'm ready to go. It, it wouldn't All change right. my orders. I'd go with just five midfielders or five strikers. I, I'd roll it out there, anyways. <laughs> I don't need positions. Positions are overrated. Pep taught me that.
0: Well, given that you are the real expert and that you learned at the knee of Pep, I'm going to go ahead and claim the number one pick. <laughs> uh, I'm taking Erling Holland, and I won the
1: draft. It's already yep. over. I won. Yeah. I won the draft. Uh, good pick. Uh, I don't really have anything to add. It is a no-brainer <laughs> obvious pick that Holland is, what, 21 years old, lighting the league on fire. Um, I mean, it, goal scoring is a premium. Uh, I think the only other attackers you could put in his class would be you know guys like Kane and Salah, probably. And those two are aging the wrong direction. You definitely don't want Mo Salah, probably, on a five-year contract at this point. Um, yeah, it's a no-brainer pick. Like it's, it's just, it's really not on all the way. There's no question marks.
0: I think that's where like, given the intro we gave, that's where his talent is particularly outrageous, right? Like we're talking about the most talented um, league in the, in the world by a country mile, all the new signings that have come in, all the great talent that was already there with all the resources, all the teams have. And this is like LeBron James in the 2003 NBA draft. Like it's just the biggest no-brainer in the world, despite the world-class talent elsewhere in the league. He is absolutely dominant. He's only 22. Uh, he's, you know, if he doesn't win the Ballon d'Or this year, uh, he's going to win one in the next couple of years, barring a major injury. I think that there's just nobody else even remotely like him. Uh, I, was, I would go so as far as to say in world football, because like Mbappe is also excellent. Messi is excellent, but they don't have his overpowering combination of size Uh, speed, skill, uh, you know, football intelligence, which is highly underrated for him. He's not just some like big O running up and down the pitch. He's making the most intelligent runs possible. He's changing the gravity of the, of the defense. He's sending everybody into this massive scramble. And I'm sure we're going to talk about city and um, arsenal later, but by doing that, like guys like KDB and other players on city also step up into these huge voids that he create. And when you have, you know, that that uh, just like Curry in basketball, the guy who changes the gravity that way, then you surround him with other world class players, you're going to walk the league more years than not.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like you mentioned, you know, Mbappe was kind of seen as the one taking the torch from the Ronaldo, Messi group, uh, you know, as the next guy to be the world football icon. The crazy part about Holland is he's two years younger than Mbappe. Yeah. Like that's, I, I remember when I was looking at this, I was kind of curious as so I was going through the same thing you were. And that was like one of the things that stood out. So I was like, yeah, well, you know, him and Mbappe are about the same age. I kind of wonder how it's going to shape up. And it's like, nope, and he's actually got two more years until he reaches Mbappe's age. So it's, it's wild. I think the only disappointing thing about Holland is he's going to play for Norway. So unless him and Martin Odegaard and uh, Elianusi from Southampton can like, Combined, uh, lift Norway into a World Cup contention. I don't know if that'll diminish the star at all, um, just because, you know, we obviously saw Messi with Argentina and Ronaldo with Portugal and they were iconic on the world football stage. I don't know if that'll matter as much, but like we are clearly looking at one of the best goal scorers in the history of the sport, uh, barring an injury or some other crazy world event.
0: Yeah, and him versus Mbappe is obviously you know going to dominate the conversation, just like Messi and Ronaldo for the generation before them. But Mbappe's got to get out of uh, France in order for this to be a real conversation. Yeah. Like, he, I, I don't mean the national side. Him on the World Cup stage, he showed exactly why he belongs in the conversation. But if unless he wants to only be in the conversation every four years, he's got to get out of there and be in the week in week out. He's got to be somewhere in the Premier League. He's maybe he could do it at Real Madrid, but Real Madrid has what, 30 fixtures a year that are routes. And in the Premier League, that like bottom half of the, the table, as we always talk about, is getting better and better. And as we've seen, like even Forrest can trip up City from time to time in the Premier League. So I hope Mbappe does finally make the long-anticipated move. And then once he does, maybe this can be a real conversation. But now that Haaland has just come out and absolutely dominated the richest league in the world in one of the most talent-rich periods of its history, he's clearly sitting on the top of the world for me right now.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a great pick, Toby. You're a genius. Your talent evaluation is unmatched. Uh, I don't know what you're doing here with me because you clearly (laughs) have just tremendous insight for unearthing such a talent with the number one pick. Uh, All right, uh, Captain Sarcasm, who are you going with, too? This this is tough. I mean, obviously, you know, we're drafting in an order here, and I really kind of wanted to lean towards... One of the Arsenal attackers. I couldn't get all the way there. I thought about Enzo. I couldn't really get all the way there. My number two pick. You are going to so go off on this. It's going to be great. Can't wait. Great content for a podcast. It is Trent Alexander Arnold? <laughs> um, oh my god! Wait, uh, uh,
0: the second pick? Like not the second, the second pick. pick of not the second pick of the tenth round. The second pick of the first round. The entire world of, so, of Premier League players are available to you. And you just went with Russell Westbrook of football. Like a guy <laughs> that's your, that's lost. your
1: term. That's your term. I was not are my you serious. Well, here, and here's, here's one of the things that that you know, to put it in context of why I think this is, this is going to be, or he still is not, he's not the damaged goods that I think he's being portrayed as just last year. Like just a year, we talked about a year removed from things. He put forth from right back, and we've talked about this, this model before the Davies model, which kind of aggregates everything a player does in the pitch that helps contribute to a goal. So it's not just the finishing products, the XG type of stuff, it's moving the ball up to the field, putting passes into dangerous areas, which can lead to other passes. As a right back, in the history that Davies goes back, which is about five years now, he put together the 17th most impactful season of anybody. And that list is like every season from Messi, anywhere, most solid, some of the best players in the world, and then a right a twenty two year old right back from Liverpool. Like he is clearly a creative force. I'm super curious to see going forward if they kind of use him in this Cancelo role. What it's going to happen? But he is an incredible ball progressor. He creates a ton of chances in the final third. He also, unlike James Ward Prowse, who does only free kicks. And then I'm not sure if he has any use in open play. He is a free kick specialist as well. Like he, you can play him anywhere. You could play him at right back. If you build a team, right. You can play him as a free eight. You can maybe play him in the double pivot as we're kind of seeing right now. I like creators, like top notch chance creators in the premier league outside of Kevin De Bruyne, who again, if if we're doing five-year contracts, who is better at creating chances in the Premier League? like, that's what I would like to know. I,
0: well, I agree with you because he creates so many chances for the opposition that his chance creation <laughs> oh, is just off the I see what you church. did there. I Which see what is, you did there. That is an outrageous selection. I don't care what Davies model you're looking at. Does Davies model, like, track the number of goals that he almost single-handedly creates for the opposition? Like, there, there's two sides of the game, particularly for a right back.
1: What are you doing? Well, no, it's not even that. <laughs> see, this is the thing. is that Liverpool as a whole is broken, and it's magnified the things that he doesn't do well but he's still having an incredibly impactful season and he's still a player you can build around. Like the thing we found out in the last few Liverpool matches that I, that makes us curious going forward is they stopped playing. And again, we mentioned them all the time. Our friend of the pod, Ryan O'Hanlon talked about how Liverpool was like the only top team in the world still playing super aggressive, getting two fullbacks way up the pitch, leaving them exposed. We've seen them kind of go to this model that we've seen from City, that we've seen from Arsenal with like Ben White at right back, where Zinchenko kind of pinches in and helps in possession. They've went to that, and Liverpool's ripped off four straight wins, and they're just blowing teams out of the water right now. So it's all context to me, and every player has that. Like we we can look at Messi right now at PSG and say, you know, he's still one of the greatest players in the world, but like, what is PSG doing? They're not, they're they're out of the Champions League again. Messi hasn't had a great season you know, outside of, outside of uh, the World Cup win. So in professional football, not for his national team, he hasn't had a great year, but it's all context. Like, we know PSG is broken, so we can't take that away from Messi. And I think the same thing applies to Liverpool. They, their squad deteriorated in ways that made him look bad. He still has an incredibly valuable skill set. This is this is crazy. With the second overall pick, you picked a defender that has to be protected and hidden on defense. Well, we don't know what he could be. He could be a free eight and be just as effective. You know what I mean? Like, that's what we're kind of seeing. All I know is that you got a guy that moves the ball off the field, puts it into the box, and is a super uh, um, big threat on set pieces, scoring on his own. He's a tremendously a tremendously talented kid, and he's still a young guy. Like, it to me, I love the chance creation. And after him there's or after Kevin De Bruyne there's just not a lot of guys that do that stuff
0: not on my list not on my list and you picked him <laughs> second overall uh, all right we got to keep this going otherwise my head's going to explode i can't wait to see who you pick next uh, i with the third overall pick i will take as you've already said goals are at a premium i will take the currently second best young goal scorer in the premier league marcus rashford i don't know if i have to explain this uh, too much Last year, I don't think he was on either of our lists, but this year, given uh, what we've seen, especially post-World Cup, he's been dominant, uh, scored again today. You have no doubts that he can produce from the left wing. He can lead the line. He can do anything in the front four that you need him to do. And most importantly, he puts the ball in the back of the net. So I agree with you. Chance creation is very important, but that finishing touch that he is displaying and his nose for goal puts him as a class above everybody else in the league right now, in my mind, in terms of who you want to build around besides how
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I had Rashford up there. um, He, it was kind of like, the one separator between him and my pick after this <laughs> is, is just the fact that he is he's sneaking up there in age with a lot of injury issues and a ton of minutes on his legs from when he was younger. So when I look at someone like my next pick, which is Martin Gammartinelli from Arsenal, I see a 21-year-old that could be just as good. And the other thing about Martinelli that I absolutely love is he is a beast. We've talked about this on the pod before and we'd love this aspect of it. He is a beast, especially with Jesus off, like when Arsenal's out of possession. And I love that stuff. I love those guys that like, you know, we saw this for years with, with Ronaldo as he aged, like he was a left winger, but his real position was sitting on the shoulder of the center back, even when his team didn't have the ball. And so Martinelli, I think the difference between him and soccer to me is Martinelli presses like a maniac. He can win the ball back for you. He's really direct. He's really good at, at as being a better goal threat, I think, than Saka. And I, I think him and Rashford, to me, are like equally valuable right now. And so the thing I love about taking someone like Martinelli is that you have four extra years before he theoretically reaches his peak in soccer, which is about 24 to 28.
0: Yeah. Well, Rashford is only 25, so you're getting the majority of his peak here. But yeah, Martinelli is uh, an excellent pick, way better than your pick before that. Um, <laughs> And I think it's an interesting debate. I mean, we don't have to have it right now, but the fact that you picked Martinelli over Sokka, I think would shock a lot of people and certainly would shock everybody if you had said it in August. Sokka's kind of been the darling of Arsenal and their their recent development. and But Martinelli has come on so strong this year that in your yeah. mind that he's passed him, that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like, there's some stats kind of behind that too. Like, uh, if you look at non-penalty expected goals plus assists, like Martinelli is ahead of Sokka there. And then if you just look at some of the defensive action stuff, I think I think they're equally valuable. If I went to the Davies model, which I conveniently have up Martinelli and soccer are basically four and five in the Premier League in terms of value added this year. But they kind of do it in different ways. I think Martinelli is going to drift more towards the goal scorer side and soccer is going to drift more towards the creator side. Um, But I mean, not not that they can't both do each thing. But but I it's the out of possession stuff that kind of kicked up a notch. I, I really just love watching him play and press and run around the field. Uh, he's like he's basically like the non-heel version of Richarlison and I love that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the Davies model also told you that Connor Gallagher was the best player in the year last year. So I really think you ought to stop reading this thing. So you now have TAA and Gallagher on your resume. So congrats to you. And congrats
1: no, the guy Davies. that the, the guy that hurt us or will hurt, hurt me. I'll, I'm going to loop you in just to make drag you down with me, so we both round on this one is Jared Bowen when he was like third uh, in their model at one point. The one year, I Jared Bowen he's hasn't quite take off like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, Bowen, your next round pick. Um... <laughs> The next one's easy for me because he's third on my list. Uh, I'm getting one, two, and three here since you and I are evaluating the world wildly differently. I like guys who would help me win, and you like liabilities. You like quarterbacks who can't throw is essentially what you like. But they might be able to do everything. That quarterback, like he can kick. He he can help on special teams, so he should be the number one overall pick. Such a hand. Great evaluation by you. Uh, it's Enzo. I'm going with Enzo next. I, I know I can be accused of being a homer here, but Enzo does a lot of the things that you're talking about. He does help with chance creation and he helps with defense. We've also seen him uh, as a tremendous winner at Argentina. He's really young still. He's only 22, just turned 22, adjusting the league and is playing in a squad right now, bereft of desire, bereft of management, bereft of talent around him, and is still showing out in the Premier League in a very short time. So I'm happy to build from the middle of the pitch and build with strength that convert, that helps on uh, both sides, defense and offense, and I think he's a no-brainer in the fifth slot.
1: I love Enzo. Like, this is a clearly established thing. There's This is a ton of Enzo love. You know, come on the podcast, Enzo. You'll just get so much praise. It'll just be like the celebrity talk show circuit. will just hype you up the entire time you're on here. But my question about Enzo, I still think he would have wound up in, like, a top 10 for me. Is I still am not sure, like, the value of, of a holding midfielder. And we've talked about this when he first signed. It's like, I think he's a great player. I think he's going to be a linchpin of Chelsea. I think he helps you win, but like, you know, the kind of proof right now is that they brought him in and Chelsea's still struggling. And it's not a reflection of him because he's awesome. We, we his passing under pressure. Numbers are insane. He does a little bit of everything, defensive actions. He's Jorginho on steroids. Like he's great, but we haven't seen the team take a leap. You know what I mean? And so that that's the only thing that held me back from going for a midfielder like that. And, and that is despite the fact that he has my heart and he had my heart since the World Cup. Um, but I, so I actually am going to go with another attacker and I'm going to go with with Saka. I mean, I, I took yeah. one in. I got, I'll take the other one to Arsenal. It's crazy that these two are bookend 21 year olds on the right or left wing. Arsenal's in great shape. I kind of talked a lot about Saka when we talked about Martinelli. I mean, I don't know if you have anything to add, but like I can't think of another player that's like a hybrid goal scorer creator that's left-footed, like so many valuable things about this kid.
0: Yeah, uh, the only thing I would say about Saka is I I feel like he goes invisible from time to time, and I think that's true of a lot of players, you know, at Superstar, regular, et cetera, and so forth. Sometimes they just go missing and and feel absent for like 30 or 40-minute stretches. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think he'll grow out of that a little bit. Like, I think that he has world-class potential. Um, and I think he's a world-class player already. I just would like to see him be more of a 90 minute guy than just somebody who's showing up and showing up on the highlights. But when you watch, you're like, man, it's been a half hour and I haven't seen him get involved.
1: Yeah. And I think that might be part of the thing too, that he's less goal scorer and more kind of other stuff that helps set up goals at the end, you know, he obviously has big games where he scored braces and things like that. Like, don't get me wrong. He clearly can put the ball in the back of the net. Um, but I think that's part of it too, is like, he's not going to be a guy that you're constantly seeing getting on the end of chances because he's sometimes making the pass before the the next move that creates the big chance for them. And so I agree. And, but I mean, I think that same thing could be said. I mean, you could, Started asking that question about killing Mbappe, who doesn't showed up in see yeah. matches. Um, so yeah, but he, he is twenty. And you could definitely say that.
0: You could definitely say that about Rashford in previous years. I don't know how much yeah. of that was Ronaldo's influence, but ever
1: since Ronaldo, well, and, left, and injury guess, too with Rashford. I yeah. mean, he clearly was hurt. Like when he was doing that. So yeah, I mean, and the other thing with Saka too, that that's crazy, and I really hope it doesn't like come back to bite him. He's he's played almost four thousand minutes this year between the two competitions, which. That's a lot of minutes for a 21-year-old's legs uh, in a compressed season. So I, I don't know if that's part of maybe why we've seen some ebbs and flows with him throughout the year is like this is going to be by far the highest minutes tally he has ever had. Um, yeah. And that could that could be part of the waves too.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I mean, he was sixth on my list, so um, no no real argument. But I'm going to go to the fourth guy on my list. I've got one, two, three, and four so far, which was last year's number one pick, Phil Foten. I think that we're sleeping a little bit on him. He's still only 22. I know he's dealing with an injury right now and dealing with the shadow of Haaland, but he's still one of the greatest young attackers in the world. And if he had his own team, uh, I think that his you know skills would shine even above like a soccer and a Martinelli. So I think that he's being downgraded a little bit from last year just because of this year's circumstance. But I still think he's the same talent that he was then. And so I feel this is a really high upside pick at seven. Yeah,
1: uh, he was the guy I went back and forth with because, you know, I questioned I questioned the king once, Toby. João well, Cancelo went to Bayern, and all of a sudden, Rico Lewis was playing. and I said, "Man, Pep's lost it. This is this is the end. This is starting to deteriorate. Drunk with power, too like too obsessed with his own genius. It's over." And then they just built the dominant machine that, as we'll get into, is just going to run through the Premier League and maybe win the trouble this year. So. Basically, I'm never questioning Pep again. And the thing that I, that I, when I put it in that context that we look at with Foden is he's never really been like a super regular starter for them. He always seems to be like in and out of the lineup where he rotates in, starts a couple matches, then he's on the bench for a few, then we don't see him for a couple weeks. So something is like, if Pep is seeing something, that this guy is not a nailed on, locked on, starting eleven player, I wonder what he's like off the pitch and if that's going to stop him from getting everything, being everything he can be on the pitch. Um, And I know there's obviously some stories that float about some of the stuff that he's done off the pitch, but he's incredibly talented. I think on talent alone, it's an excellent choice in terms of how we're doing this draft. I just wonder if he's going to be a guy that we're going to look at in five years and be like, he should have been so much better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's possible, but, yeah, it's, you know, trying to imply that Pep doesn't trust him at all, let's try to remember that he was a Champions League starter at the age of 20 in the most important game that the city has played in recent years. Like, he was out on the pitch versus Chelsea, uh, and I think he was probably the youngest guy in the lineup, so... I know he might not play every single week, but City has 15 of the fifty best players in the world, perhaps. Like almost yeah. everybody <laughs> rotates besides Holland. Even KDB sits out games. And so I'm not gonna hold that against them and I'm not gonna get into the off the field stuff. I'm I'm happy with my selection, way happier than you should be with your first overall pick.
1: So why don't you go ahead and give a Still ride or die with Trent. I will always ride or die. Um I'm gonna I'm I'm, I'm gonna a- apparently gonna be accused of being an Arsenal stand. Um I mean, well, I don't know. Maybe my mom's the only one that listens to this podcast, so she'll accuse me. But um, Martin Odegaard, I, I've, I have always loved Odegaard. I was obsessed with him when he was like the 16-year-old prodigy. I followed his career when he kind of broke out a Real Sociedad. I was like, here he comes, like you know, passing machine, chance creating machine, and he, you know, he went to Arsenal. They kind of started to take off, like right when he joined the fold. He's an incredible passer, a great creator. He links things from the back three and pushes things into the final third. But this year, he's added shots and added goals. And that has made him a totally different, more valuable player. I don't want to keep going to Davies, but he's in the top 10 in the Davies model in terms of value added. And he's only 24. And he, yep. he does everything now. He takes their set pieces. He takes their free kicks. He can create chances. He can move the ball off the field. And he, now he's he's starting to put the ball on goal and in the back of the net. Like, that's just such an incredibly valuable player. I don't want to put him in the KDB class because he's not there. He's not that close. We kind of talked, or I kind of talked about that a little bit with, I wonder where Mount's trajectory is going to go. But like, this dude is legit. And the the added goals to his game has just transformed him into a totally different player. And I mean, again, Arsenal is just, it's an embarrassment of riches. They have a bunch of top draft picks here.
0: Yeah. Number eight on my list. So for once, I'm not going to give you crap. Uh, with my ninth pick, it's honestly, the, the real answer is Reese James, but I'm not going to give that because that's too on brand. Uh, so I'm going to go with KDB, even though he's 31 years old, because Ooh, if he goes, Luka, interesting, if he goes Luca Modric on us and like actually has three or four more prime years in his thirties, you're winning a title. Like he's him and Holler are the two best players in the league. His uh, chance creation is the rarest skill in the premier league right now. I would argue like today. I mean, I guess you're going to say TAA, but I think KDB is creating more havoc and more goals than anybody else in the league. And I think he could do it for another three seasons. I wouldn't be shocked if he could do it for five and I'm taking home a title. And so when I look at everybody else on my list, I'm not convinced that this one guy uh, you know, more, I don't feel anybody left guarantees me. It makes a title more guaranteed than KDB in that five-year period. So as such, it's almost like the Anthony Davis trade. It doesn't matter what you gave up because you brought home one ring and flag fly forever. And that's how I feel about KDB.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that uh, there's definitely that possibility. And we've seen stretches of him uh, where he's actually played as like a, a six almost. Um, I don't know if that'll happen again with Rodri but there is the opportunity that he can move deeper down the field, like a pure type role as he ages. And he'd still be like amazing in that role. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, there, there's definitely something to be said about the fact he's got a ton of miles on his legs with, with both club and country. Um, we we don't know how that's going to affect his prime. We keep thinking that Luca Modric was going to fade into the MLS at some point, And he has continued to somehow con- starting matches in the champions league for Madrid. Um, so yeah, there, there's definitely like, I, I think that's a great way to look at it. Like even if you get two or three years, it's probably worth the value. Uh, but there's also a scenario in which he moves to different places on the pitch and still provides that, or he just goes full Modric. And then you have all your five years covered. Um, yep. And I, I was going with the same team. And since I, I started on a controversial pick, I'm going to end on a controversial pick. And the guy that that I look at at his heir apparent on City um, is the guy that's starting to finally earn Pep's trust in year two, and that's Jack Grealish. Because we are two years removed from him single-handedly dragging Aston Villa to places that they shouldn't have been to on the table. He had that rough transition year when he went to City right away. But this season, he is finally kind of locked down. Pep's given him that left side. He's been a regular starter. And he is the same kind of guy as TAA where, yes, he does. You wish he scored more goals. You wish there was more there. But the stuff that he does in terms of creating chances, dribbling the ball into the penalty area, drawing fouls that lead to the massive amount of free kicks and set-piece shots that City gets, all that stuff has like a ton of value. I mean, he's second in passing in the penalty area behind KDB. He's first on the team in City and, and carries into the penalty area. Like the dude picks up the ball. He moves it up the pitch. He moves it into dangerous areas that with, if KDB wasn't there, he'd probably be the number one creator. He'd probably have the gaudy assist totals. Obviously when KDB's there, he's going to kind of monopolize where, and when that ball goes into the box sometimes in the final third, but Grealish is is super valuable. It's just not going to be in the strict. He's going to go out and score you 20 goals and have eight assists. It's going to be, he is the guy that is going to pin the opponents deep. Then he's going to always put the ball in the penalty box. And when you have guys like that, they elevate goal scores around him. And there's no doubt in my mind that Grealish has helped create what Erling Holland has done as much as KDB has.
0: Yeah. I mean, I like it. Uh, wasn't on my list, but it was somebody I, I considered. The only other guys on my list who I haven't mentioned. I mean, Reese James really would have been my, my other pick, but yeah. everybody a how to feel about him. Um, the last two are Rodri and Casado, believe it or not. Oh, uh, I think a
1: Casado,
0: I, interesting. I, think I, Casado, if if he has actual Angolo Conte vibes, and Golo Conte in a five year period won every single like championship in the world, he held every trophy at the same time. And so, like, if Casado could become 80 90% of that, then why would he not be on the list? So, we'll see what he kind of evolves into and i, I that's also like a, a podcast for hot takey kind of thing like let's blow way past like the Harry canes of the world and bring up a guy who's probably 20 30 on miss people's <laughs> list but i believe it and i believe a guy who can win the ball back at like that turn the ball over and get it into a chance creator is such like a valuable asset that we've seen chelsea win the champions league with just that like, it's well, shocking I mean, if you go back. And we've seen Leicester win the Premier League with that. Lester, yeah, Leicester won the Premier League with yeah. that. And then Chelsea beat the city juggernaut with just that. Like, if you look at, if you actually go back and look at that, 20, like, with the current context we have of how Chelsea's players have evolved over the last two years, what's happened to Mount and Kai Havertz and Timo Warner and everybody else, look at the starting 11s of the Champions League final and how many guys on Chelsea would start for City. Uh, and I think it's, it's Silva. May Reese James probably over Kyle Walker and then like uh I'm sorry, it's Conte, Reese James, and then you have to get into like Thiago Silva versus John Stones. Like every everything past that isn't even arguable. And Chelsea won the Champions League. It's that's how valuable Conte is. And so I think if Casado could turn into that, then he absolutely belongs here. Was there anybody else on your list that you want to give a shout out to before we take a break and
1: uh, uh, get to gambling? No, I actually think it's interesting that you brought up Rodri. I thought that would have been one that I would have definitely got blasted on. Um, But he also is another guy that ranks weirdly high in the Davies model in terms of value added. And he's a dude that like, he started to score more goals and take more shots. And and with the new formation, he has a little more leeway to get more involved kind of further out the pitch now. Um, But that metronome thing that he does. And (laughs) I, I actually like, I love watching him play because you'll, he'll make those switches to the opposite flank. And it's like he doesn't even take a touch sometimes. Like the ball rolls and he just clips it over. And then all of a sudden, Grealish just got it on the, on the left touch line. And he's driving towards the back after the pass from Roger Lands perfectly at his feet. And like those players for a team that's at City's level are so incredibly valuable. And the things that he's doing for them in terms of tidying up possession, winning the ball back, tactical fouls, like none of it's sexy but it's super important. And yeah. I actually thought that of all the things, I actually, the thing in my head when I brought up a pick was going to be like, man, if I pick Roger at 10, like he's definitely going to blast me. So it's interesting. that he well, no, me, I'm not going to blast you. Like the, the key
0: with Roger is he has to be on a big six team, right? Like that skill set doesn't translate to right. trophies. If he doesn't have the correct talent around him. But if you put Roger, it's like, that's the tough thing about this exercise. It's not the NFL. Like it's not 32 teams that, Every once in a while, move up and down, and, and are competitive. It's the same six, seven, eight teams that are competitive every single year. And a guy like Rodri, once you put him on that team, is just like outrageously valuable. You put him on, you know, Forest, like they're getting relegated anyway.
1: <laughs> please don't, please don't ever put Rodri at Forest. I don't want to see that. Um, but but one thing about the Caicedo thing that I, I just want I'll, we'll touch on. I'll touch on real quick, and then we can move on to the actual gambling related things. Um, but the one thing about Caicedo that I, I think is interesting and it's a fun thing to look at with soccer, obviously you make fun of my spreadsheet approach to looking at the data and, and I've turned you into a little bit of a data nerd recently as well. Um, but like Brighton, data curious data, data curious, sorry. I didn't I did not want to go too far. Um, but Brighton has one of the best defenses in, uh, probably the big five leagues and they don't really have that many good, like and so Caicedo's numbers like don't jump off the page in terms of tackles, interceptions, all that kind of stuff that we would probably use to measure defensive midfielder but like Brighton's really good. They don't have a lot of good players and they've held together. They are both really good defensively under, sorry to say his name, but Graham Potter and then they haven't been blown apart in this ultra-aggressive style under Deserby and the one constant between the two things is that midfielder and so he's clearly doing something and so it's interesting. I, I think this is the guy, too, that, like, I want this podcast to keep going strictly. So in a year from now, we can look back at at, at the points you're making now and be like, wow, Toby how we nailed that one.
0: Well, we'll see. We'll see who he's playing for next year. If it's Brighton again, I'd be surprised. I think he'll be on the big six club next year. Uh, final thought before we go to break, at least on my list, which is way better than your list, there's not a single Liverpool or Spurs player. I think that is very telling for the future of those two clubs going into the next five years. I mean, all you got is a horrible TAA pick, uh, but neither of us really considered any other player on those two teams, and nobody considered anybody on Spurs, and so uh, that's troubling. I mean, when they say they need a squad rebuild, I think that they're absolutely correct.
1: Yeah, I mean, I should have went with Pedro Poro then, just to you know get someone on there. But yeah, no, I, that's that's a great point, especially with Spurs. There's there's some trouble brewing in London, I think, even if I snuck out a tie, a draw today. So that's uh, that's very telling. It's a good way to look at it.
0: All right. Well, let's take a break. Uh, we'll make sure we put this in the notes that where we got to the actual gambling. So hopefully people could have skipped ahead if they didn't like that nonsense. But we'll be covering four bangers of games as soon as we come back.
2: Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesar's Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesar's Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now... If you haven't started yet, register using code Omaha full and then place your first bet up to twelve hundred and fifty dollars. If you win, great. You keep those winnings. But if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. Twenty one and older only offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 or more wagers only must register with eligible promo code Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet is $1,250. The bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1 800, next step. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, it's 1 800 522 4700. Indiana, call 1 800 9 with it. Iowa, call 1 800, bets off. Louisiana, call 1 877 770 stop. Massachusetts, call 1 800 327 5050, or visit gambling helpline ma.org. Michigan, call 1 800 270 7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1 800 gambler, or West Virginia, visit 1 800 gambler.net. New York, call 1 877 8 Hope, New York, or text H O P E N Y.
1: Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be.
0: Okay, we are back. We were just arguing off screen about TAA, which is something that I think (laughs) we'll be doing for the rest of our lives. And so we better keep the games moving, otherwise we're never going to get to them uh first game of the weekend is not till sunday involving a big 16 we have a wild schedule because of the big midweek that we just had which i'm sure we're going to talk plenty about as we get through these games first one up is sunday at 9 a.m and it's manchester united fourth at 60 points versus aston villa sixth brett six and every magic
1: baby
0: united minus 135 Aston Villa plus 350, the draw is plus 280. Caesars has United minus half a goal at minus 135, and the double chance for Aston Villa at plus 105. All right, Brett, we have ignored them long enough. I'm going to go ahead and clear the space. Tell the world how the hell Aston Villa is doing this <laughs> under Emery. I mean, just to set the stage really quick in the last 10 games, they have won eight, they have drawn two, and they have lost zero. They have played 20 games under Unai Emery, and they have scored in every single one of them. What is going on at Villa? <laughs> uh,
1: it's always, it's always going to be a little bit of luck um, when it comes to crazy runs like that. Um, I mean, Ollie Watkins is on a pretty crazy finishing tear right now. Um, I, I think, I think there might be something to the fact that, that Watkins is only 26 or 27. I think, um, and maybe kind of sort of a late blossoming star. I mean, we kind of saw this with Mikel Antonio at West Ham too, right? Like we didn't all of a sudden nondescript career. And then he just had a big stretch of like a couple of years where he was a genuine superstar for that team. Um, But I I think that kind of, if you do like the proof is in the pudding type of thing, I mean, they have a, they have a negative expected goal differential at at minus 4.2 and they're plus five in actual goal differential. Um, So you're seeing a nine goal swing right there. And even if you go over their last few runs, a lot of it is, is good performances. Like, don't get me wrong; like these are some really solid performances. They've tightened up defensively a little bit too, which is big. But they've definitely overperformed. Uh, they've they've been out of other skis in terms of their finishing. Um, and I mean, also like the stretch that we've seen recently too. <laughs> it's been you know one of the some of the wins are Everton, Crystal Palace, Bournemouth. I don't want to say their name, but the team that shall not be named that starts with C, Leicester City, nine and Forest. Uh, you know they had a legit beat out of Newcastle, which is a Champions League team. Um, but then it was Brentford and Fulham, so like they weren't playing a murderer's row. Like this is these were clearly a bunch of matches against some of the worst teams. But the the the, the bottom line is, even when a mid table goes up against a bunch of relegation candidates and they take care of business, which Aston Villa did. They're clearly moving towards something. They're clearly building towards something. Maybe Ali Watkins is turning into a star. Um, Unai Emery has has found a way, I think, too, to kind of tighten up the defending, which was their big problem early in the season before he came in. Is they were just conceding way too many goals. Um, And I don't know if that's just kind of going to their four two three one. And you know, Emery is always even when Villarreal kind of made their run uh, last last year, like or two years ago. You know, it was a more conservative style. It was kind of a mix of playing out of the back, but also not being ultra aggressive pressing. And I think he's brought that in uh, into Aston Villa and it's, it's clearly paid off. So I don't, I mean, I don't know how much sustainability they have when you kind of look at their roster and it's like Douglas Louise and John McGinn. And I mean, they have Jacob Ramsey, but I don't know if he's really that good yet. Um, so, I mean, I don't know how much sustainability is here, but there's clearly progress this it's kind of fun. Bill is one of the oldest clubs in the, in the, the, the world. I shouldn't say just the league, just the football of football, the world. So it's kind of nice to see them be relevant again, maybe get have a chance at European football. So I'm definitely enjoying it. I'm just sort of skeptical that it's like a thing.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of with you because if you look back at their run, the only really impressive result in that 10 was Newcastle, but they put it on Newcastle. They'll be Newcastle 3-0 and Newcastle's going to be in the Champions League next year. But right before that run, they lost 4-2 to Arsenal. They lost 3-1 to City. So it's like the great teams are still miles in front of them. And then we have to ask ourselves as we handicap this game, is United a great team? Because if you look back at United's run, the last impressive United victory was also against Newcastle. The difference is it was in February. It was over two months ago when they beat Newcastle and they beat Barca. Since then, they haven't had a really great win. And that continued into today. Even against this more bound Spurs team, that's like a tribute band Chelsea that is just giving up on the season. They gave up a two goal lead and and took the draw. Um, Game was extremely entertaining. Like, I don't know how much of it you got to see, but it was up and down, lots of chances. Mm-hmm. I think the total XG was over four and a half, but United couldn't finish. Uh, Bruno Fernandes missed a gilded chance. They had a couple of other great chances to put the game away, but missed on the rebound. Um, and I don't think I can qualify them as great, even though they're going to make the Champions League. So if you look at the odds here, if I'm getting plus, if, I, if, if Villa's this hot, and United is this kind of all over the place, Uh, all three outcomes start to become somewhat equal in their likelihood. And then if you get the Aston Villa double chance where you get the draw and Villa at a plus number, at 105, that's where I think the best bet
1: is. Yeah, I I actually looked really hard at that one. I think that's a great way to look at it. Um, I have kind of been on record in, in enjoying little, you know, taking a little bit of joy out of, The uh, super high Eric Ten Hag is our God now win at Barcelona in the Europa League. In the Europa League, I want to say that twice. It's not a skip in your podcast. Um, And then to this kind of thing where they've had a pretty morbid run of results, Sevilla knocked them out of of the Europa League a little bit later on. Um, I mean, they've definitely dealt with injuries. Uh, Luke Shaw was starting at center back uh, with Lindelof today. So, I mean, there's some things that obviously have not been fortunate with them, but every team has dealt with that. I just am still on record that they're a very average team and kind of a weird year. That's sort of gotten a little bit of lucky as well. Um, and they've kind of worked their way into the champions league through that. I don't think this is like a bona fide champions league team. And with yeah. that said there, there is something to, uh, I, you know, I, I brought it up when we were talking about the run of Villa's results. It doesn't matter if you're beating bad teams. Soccer is still really random. It's still a really big thing that you're taking care of business, that you're out creating these teams, that you're getting those points that you're getting those wins. And the, the biggest thing for me, I couldn't get all the way to the bill and money line. I love the double chance line, but uh, the draw at plus 80, it seems like a one and two thing with this in particular, because this is the uh, United has played seven matches in the last 25 days seven matches in the last 25 days, basically almost one every three days. Um, That is a lot for a team that's been struggling with injuries and has a couple of older players like Christian Eriksen who still soak up a lot of minutes. Um, And so I just think that this is, this just strikes me as kind of what's going to be like a classic Emory Villarreal game. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be gritty. It's going to be tight. I don't know if Villa's for real. I also don't think that United's that good. And so I kind of met in the middle of the draw because it just seems like with the schedule congestion and where these teams are at, it's just going to be an evenly played match.
0: Yeah. Well, Luke Shaw had to start at center back today because of injuries. Veron's out. Martinez is out. And Harry Maguire has a severe case of being Harry Maguire. Like it's chronic. He's probably Dude. never going to get over it. And so, as a result, they're now playing right backs in his position, who used to be the captain of the team, uh, just because he can't, you know, actually play the game of soccer at the right level anymore. So, kudos
1: to Luke Shaw for stepping in for a crippled Maguire. Yeah, and I mean, actually, uh, that give Ten Hag credit. I, I actually thought that he wouldn't really do that, but it's a it's a good move for United to go that route, given the struggles that McGuire has. He just doesn't <laughs> fit that system. I think he's a little bit, like you said, a little bit too high for that. A little too above his bridges as far as level. Um, but yeah, I, I, again, this isn't like a super impressive United team. Like nothing that you look at, nothing when you watch them screams, this team is a Champions League team. I just don't see that with them. And Villa's clearly hot. I think it's going to be a pretty even match because of that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't love the juice on my prop, but I do feel very strongly about it. Uh, both teams to score, yes, is minus 160. As you said, Villa scored in every single game since Emery took over. And United uh, has Rashford. Sancho looked awesome today. That goal that he took. I mean, Spurs should have closed him down. He had entirely too much space, but being able to pick out the side net, uh like the way that he did, it looked a little bit more like he did at, at Dortmund than he's looked in the last couple of years at United. Um, Anthony, of course, still looks lively. Uh Fernandez, even though he couldn't finish, a Gilded Edge chance is still creating a ton. Like he actually would have been. If we had done a draft of 20 players, he would have come up for me just because of that chance creation in the midfield and he's only 28. Uh, so I have no doubt that they can score. And so I feel great that I, even at minus 160, that this is going to cash. And I even feel good enough about both my picks that if you want to put them together, the uh, Aston Villa double chance with both teams to score is plus 190, which is really tasty.
1: Yeah, I, you know, you're you're confident of goals and I actually was kind of leaning the other way. And so the number that caught me (laughs) is is a crazy, it's not going to make the fine pipe, but this is my crazy brain working again, is no goal at plus 1300. I just keep, and maybe I'm warped from their their Europa League match where it was Villarreal and United and it's basically Emory versus United there. Um, But this just, this match just, Villa is finishing way too hot. This is not going to continue. United's a pretty solid defensive team and 10 hogs preferred pace is to basically play really slow. I don't think there's going to be a ton of transitions here. Um, and, and Emery's kind of thing with Villa is just to kind of play these like junky, and I'm now at Villa is to play these kind of junky, weird games, um, that just kind of frustrate opponents. And so I just with the schedule congestion with United and then with just the super hot finishing run from Villa that's bound to regress to the mean, as we always say, actually comes for everybody. But Messi. Um, I just I looked at that number and I couldn't get off it like plus 1300 for no goals like one in 10 times. This is probably a super ugly match that ends in a scoreless draw.
0: Well, if we weren't such good friends, I'd bring up that they just gave up 2.5 XG to Tottenham today and that they're starting a right back in center as well as Damon Lindelof. And so any defensive statistics you're looking at them, I shouldn't, should factor that in. But I like you too much to bring that up. So let's just move on. Uh, next game is Fulham, 10th at 45 points versus Manchester City, second at 73 points. This game is Sunday at 9 a.m. City is minus 410, Fulham is plus 1100, the draw is plus 475. City minus a goal and a half is minus 140, Fulham is plus 110. So Brett, it is a crying shame that we did not get to do a preview for the title decider between mm-hmm. City and Arsenal midweek, so we didn't get to talk about it beforehand. I'll give you the floor to talk a little bit about the match and what you took away from it after the fact.
1: Uh, City is clearly the best team in the world. <laughs> now there's no question that's really that's really it i mean they've annihilated their best competition in the premier league they annihilated the second best consider what was considered the second best team in the world in byron and the champions league like pep has we i mean i don't want to continue to go on with this every podcast he's reconfigured his machine one more time put the gears in slightly different places and now it's just churning and chewing out everything in its path and that's what we saw and and i, I don't know i mean maybe William Salva is God and Rob holding is is going to have his house burned down or something. But like, I, this is the same arsenal team that we've seen, you know, they, they got knocked out right away in, in Europa. So it's not like you can say, Oh, they've been playing a bunch of extra matches this year. Um, I, I just city's great. Like I know it's the, you're going to come here for awesome analysis, but that's really all I got They They are just a buzzsaw. It's incredible. Yeah. Oh, I'd like to thank
0: Arsenal for keeping this interesting for eight months. Like this could have been, yeah, like, that's true. like City
1: could have walked the league
0: since January. So the fact that Arsenal, you know, allowed us to think that this was competitive all the way from August until the end of April, like kudos to them. They really saved uh, all soccer fans a very boring season. But yeah, that's clearly the takeaway here. Like I think what's, I think the only thing that like stops City is boredom. Cause when (laughs) when they have these big games, they just absolutely like ripsaw people. We just saw them do it to Bayern. We just saw them do it to Arsenal. These games aren't even close, but suddenly they like slip up against forest because they're playing with their food. So I think that's one great thing about the premier league. Um, You know, over time, like the class will always rise and every once in a while you stub your toe, but then you get these showdown matches and, and you really get to see who, who the best team is. And it's city by a country mile. And, I've I've never felt more confident, like in all of Pep City's teams, that they're gonna win the Champions League. Because yeah, they're getting but... up for these big matches and they're just destroying teams. And so I think the only risk to City losing the Premier League is uh a couple more stub toes because they're focused on the the big year trophy of the Champions League. But I think that's an incredibly small risk. I think they're taking home the treble, and like we're gonna talk about this team for a really long, long time. And I just hope the Arsenal team, because they're so young, you know, from the draft, Odegaard, Martinelli, Saka, uh, a load of other young talent they have. Yeah, I, I mean, we like, didn't
1: even talk about their defenders, Salva, Gabriel, uh, even Ben White probably deserves a little bit of mention. Yeah. Sanchenko's is mean, really like, solid. So, yeah. Yeah, Jacques is, Jacques is
0: not an old man. Partey is not an old man. I mean, like, they're they're incredible. And so I, I hope they're a little bit, you know, Jordan-esque when he kept getting beat down by the Pistons and suddenly they rose up. Because I think they're their, our best chance. To keep this league competitive for the next couple of years, because unless Pep leaves or Holland, you know, goes off to Spain, um, I hope Arsenal continues to raise their level so that it remains competitive and City just doesn't walk the league for the foreseeable future.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm there with you. I I, again, this this kind of recent City or Arsenal stretch has been a little weird. It's been a mix of kind of them being both bad and unlucky. Um, And you know, I joked about Saliba, but like maybe there is something to the fact that. You know, the pairing that he had with Gabriel, like, because part of the thing is they've been really leaky defensively. Maybe it was just the simple fact they kind of went after the Europa League a little bit. And even though they got knocked out probably before than they were expecting, they still did get some minutes on key players' legs. And maybe this is a little bit of that, you know, kind of come down a little bit of second half fatigue type of stuff. So I mean, I think they're going to be there in the future. We hope they're going to be there in the future for the sake of competitiveness in the Premier League. Um, But, you know, this match, it was was kind of like, to me, it was like the pre-coronation. I don't know if that's a thing, but like the pre-coronation of City being clearly the best team in the world at this point. Like, we went from, why is Cancelo going to play in Germany and Rico Lewis starting to write back to who could possibly beat this team at this point? Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I'm not sure we're going
0: to find out an answer this year. We might have to wait until August, so we see them lose again. Yeah, and no, on we'll, that, we'll, line, Madrid
1: like, will probably Madrid something crazy. Maybe <laughs> we'll, 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 yeah. we need to do a podcast for the Madrid Magic game when they those two match up.
0: Yeah, certainly can't wait for that because until that time, like it's just a portfolio bet for me. I, I'm sorry. Well, like each time we bring up City on this podcast, we're going to talk about how amazing City is and how I'm taking them on the adjusted line, and it's just a matter of how high I adjust it. So this week, um Fulham, I mean, look, they they lost uh three one to United, three nil to Arsenal, one nil to the Newcastle. They're not getting like six owed, seven. They've fallen a little bit back in the table, but they still had a year they should be tremendously proud of. They're staying up, they're building something over there. I think they've got a chance to stay up for the next couple of years. Uh so I'm not gonna disrespect them by taking it to like three and a half, four and a half. I considered two and a half at uh plus one eighty-five, but I city City's down for some sort of small letdown, like coming off of the recent run of games they've had. And a small letdown for City is only winning by two goals. So give me City minus one and a half and minus 140.
1: Yeah. uh, I mean basically my my two picks are just going to be good team, good thing. Uh, minus one and a half and minus 140, and the clean sheet win at minus 106. Uh, I'm a little worried about that just because, like you said. They play with their food, but like their numbers as far as shot suppression and chances allowed pretty much tell you that that's the, the play is them not allowing to go. Uh, and then the lucky thing is going to be other otherwise happening. And then you have to combine that with the fact that Mitrovic got himself banned forever, basically. And <laughs> you're going yeah. to, uh, if this, if this attack strikes fear in you, Toby, maybe we, we, maybe we do need to have a conversation, but Right now, Fulham's rolling out a Dan James, Andres Pereira, William Trauman of attackers, and uh, I don't know about you, uh, but that doesn't really like in, make me super inspired that they're going to score ever. Uh, as we as we've talked about, we kind of want to rename this podcast the Ghost of William Podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just I'm, think I'm, I- go ahead. Well, I'm going the other
0: way, which I, I know is stupid, but I've just seen it too many times now. Like. City goes up to goal. zero through zero, and they give up the consolation goal. And if yeah. you look at the, if you look at the lines, this is what I was shocked by. I look at you know both teams to score as I do for every match, just as my list of like things I, I automatically go through. Both teams to score is plus one hundred in this match, but city to win and both teams to score is plus one ninety. So I consider city to win as a foregone conclusion, and you're more of a sense doubling your winnings by taking it together. City to win and both teams to score. So I mean, like. Pick between Brett's uh, uh, bet or my bet, right? Like, if you think Fulham's going to score, then you're getting plus 190 for City to win. If you think they're not going to score, you're getting City to win to nil at minus 107. But, like, City's going to win. So take
1: one of those two and then just make a bet on whether Fulham's going to score or not. I mean, I, we've been doing this now for almost a couple of years, and I just kind of hope that we we could have gotten to a point of real transparency and honesty I mean, can you just come out that you're a Harry Wilson stand and that's why you believe falls going <laughs> to score? Can, you, can we just say that? I mean, it's a safe space. Like, It's a safe space here. Uh, if, if I had time, I would look up right now what is
0: the halftime um, leading to nil line because I think that's actually the best line. If that's anywhere close to even odds that City is up to nil at halftime, take that because I agree with you about the full of attack without Mitrovic. I've just seen too many consolation goals, but yeah. it's going to be one or two nil at halftime.
1: Yeah. And we've talked about this too. I really think that if city wasn't such a dominant machine, I think we'd talk a lot more about some shortcomings that Ederson has. Um, so, and he, he just allows some goals, man. Like it's some head scratchers sometimes, or he does some head scratching thing where he gets too fancy trying to play a ball through three guys and it ends up being a two on break coming right back at him. So there there's, there's definitely a validity of that. I just, to me, it's just like, I can't look at Dan James starting at striker and being like, yes, that team's scoring today.
0: I have a feeling when we do our champions league final preview as our last show of the year. Ederson is going to make an appearance and why we think Milan has any shot in hell of winning that
1: game. Ooh, uh either we're predicting
0: Milan. Milan. Interesting. No, I'm not. I'm just saying that the only way that either Milan team beats Manchester City goes through Henderson.
1: Uh yeah, 100%. all right. We,
0: we need to go through our sponsors right now, take our final break, rip off our last two games, and get you out of here.
2: We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any.
0: All right, we are back, and it's a game that would lead a lot of shows, but uh, this late in the year, it's a match between 7th and 5th in the table, which is surprising. It's Liverpool, 7th at 53 points, versus Tottenham, 5th at 54 points. This game is Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Liverpool's minus 185, the Spurs are plus 440, Caesars has the draw at plus 340 pool on an adjusted line is is minus a goal and a half at plus 135 the spurs are minus 175 but i don't even want to talk that much about this game because (laughs) i i only want to talk about tottenham paying back their fans for the newcastle game this is one of the wildest stories (laughs) I have ever seen in sports. And like every other professional athlete has to be absolutely quaking in their boots at the precedent they're setting. This is like the Deshaun Watson contract. It's like, okay, so the Browns just gave out stupid money to a guy who's in legal peril. And now every other quarterback is demanding stupid money for their team. And they're all super pissed at Cleveland. How does every other athlete feel about the Spurs literally going into their own pockets? to pay back their fans because they gave such little of a crap in a game against <laughs> Newcastle, like cancel the regular season of the NBA next year. This is, this is like doctors, no longer having liability shield or liability insurance <laughs> or anything. There will be no more doctors. There would be no more athletes if they had to pay back their fans for games in which they did not try. So what the hell is going through the Spurs minds that they're actually writing checks back to three thousand fans because of their performance.
1: Yeah, I mean, what a disaster of a year it's turned out to be. I mean, you know, I'm gonna pat us on the back like we talked long and hard about how this team was not gonna fare well after the World Cup break because of the miles on their legs, lack of depth on the in the team, um, the fact that Oliver skip plays a but ton of minutes. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. Like it, it was clearly a terrible performance. I, I think, like I. In some ways, I respect the gesture of like, we didn't show up for you to pay to watch this, so we're going to pay you back. But man, you're right. it's It's got to be scaring some people because I've seen plenty of Everton performances where I'm like, I wish somebody paid me back for watching that, and I watched it for free. Two-thirds of Chelsea's roster would be in debtor's prisons right now.
0: <laughs> they, They would be locked away in a gulag. They would have no money left. And they're the most, they're the highest paid players in the world. And they would still be bankrupt. This was a precedent that they had to follow. This is insanity. Uh, But I will say, I mean, after that absolutely capitulation at Newcastle, so embarrassed that they had to pay their fans back. I can't even say it without laughing. It's such a nutty thing. Um, Kudos to them today, right? Like, the fight back they had against United, down 2-0 at home. The booze coming down on them they uh, we didn't even mention that they played so badly they fired their interim manager both of us for yeah. racking our brain on the last time an interim manager got canned because of a game
1: See, yeah that's, i can't stop laughing at
0: that's the fifth thing that we're bringing up about them that's how poor they've been recently i mean yeah fade spurs is is the real name of this podcast not the ghost of william or covered yeah, in glory right fade, just fade spurs but they they came back and they should fight today it's exactly what I'm raid that Chelsea would be doing for the last two months. So like absolute kudos to them for going out on their shield today, for giving their fans something to cheer about, for turning some of those frowns upside down and for getting a result and hearing the crowd roar and stay with them and not giving up on this season. like the other team in London has done.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it there is something to say with that. Um, but I mean, it's still a gigantic mess and that's why there's no way that I could Go anywhere but Liverpool. I mean, I'm a Liverpool believer. Clearly, I'm a trained Alexander Arnold Stan. Um, but uh, the minus one and a half at plus 140. I, you know, I've always loved your logic on this. When you look at a team like Liverpool, and I think they might be kind of back in a sense, or like 70% back. Um, always take the extremes, right? Because if they're gonna lose, they're gonna lose <laughs> they're gonna go down in flames. If they're gonna win, they've been absolutely annihilating annihilating smashing teams and, and piling on the chances. And this Spurs team seems ripe to just be kind of on their way out. Um, so I took them at minus one and a half, and then I took Liverpool and both score at plus one seventy five. Because I don't know if you watched the West Ham match, but West Ham didn't really have any problems kind of going towards Liverpool and a lot of the games. So I think Son Kane are going to cause some problems, but I do think that Liverpool is ultimately going to win.
0: Yeah, we're seeing the same thing. Um, I did see that match, and what I really liked out of Liverpool in that match is. I said last week and watching them absolutely dismantle Leeds, leads, it looked exactly like classic vintage Liverpool, just yeah. lightning fast counters dominating uh, that way that they've been so successful with over the years. Then you watch them against West Ham and they had 70% of the ball or so. I mean, they might have even been more than that and they won the other way, right? Like they just completely dominated that match and dictated the pace and, and generated chance after chance. And the only way West Ham generated the offense was their counter attack. So watching pool win via different styles uh and letting their you know opponents pick their poison and then taking it to them. Um, it's been impressive. I mean, it's a little too little, too late. They're
1: in, I think
0: they're too uh, I think we were,
1: Does United have one big collapse in them, Toby? We don't it's a know big
0: collapse though, man. It's a big it's, collapse. Uh,
1: I think five thirty-eight has Liverpool like 17% chance to still make the Champions League. That would be, I mean, neither of us are Liverpool fans. I'm an Everton supporter. I'm putting that in air quotes. Um, but tell us the joy that we would have if on the the, all, the final game day, we're having a match talking about United possibly blowing a Champions League spot at this point. Yeah, I
0: mean, if I had a birthday cake in front of me, like it's probably what I would wish for because... I would love for the Champions League race to be competitive. I'd love for the top of the league race to be competitive. I'd love to have the last uh, match day that's so magical, particularly last year, not be only be talking about relegation and whether Chelsea's going yeah. down. Uh, so <laughs> I, that's, I would love for that to happen. It is plus 400 right now, but it's a big collapse. I mean, what is it, nine points? Yeah. A game in hand or something crazy like that? So I, 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 I hope you're right. Um, I hope that plus 400 has a chance to win, but I think it's too little too late. And this particular game feels disrespectful to the Spurs, but I'm feeling disrespectful towards the Spurs. <laughs> so I'm also taking Liverpool on the adjusted line minus a goal and a half, plus 135, Fade Spurs forever. And I'm taking the over three and a half goals at plus 135. Three of the last four pool games uh, have gone over over this number since they got their mojo back. Uh, Spurs obviously scored two to get United. They had to go gone full Chelsea and just gone uh, a wall for the rest of the season. I think son and Kane can cause Liverpool problems on that counter attack. And I think we'll see four goals in a really entertaining match.
1: And you know, what my favorite part about you taking that bet is, is that in a way you are going to be rooting for James Milner to play. So I love <laughs> that that is implied in that bet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Damn right, see <laughs> on Sunday. I'd be excited. Might double my bed if I. Saw I can't him.
1: wait for that text. He's on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, something I can't uh, wait for. Well, no, that's not true. That's not true. I just want the season. You can't,
1: the season every, you can't wait for the season end. That's
0: what I I did that segue naturally because every other Arsenal Chelsea game I've looked forward to in my you know in my full memory of being a Chelsea fan. Until this one, I just want the season to be freaking over, but I'm a professional. Let's soldier forward. Arsenal first at 75 points versus Chelsea 11th at 39 points Tuesday. Not until Tuesday, Brett at 3 p.m. Arsenal minus 145 Chelsea plus 390. The draws plus 275 Arsenal minus half a goal is minus 145. Chelsea is plus 115 Uh, Arsenal minus a goal and a half is plus 180. If you're nasty. So there is not a big enough fork on the planet to stick into this Chelsea team. It is absolutely over. Uh, James and Mount are being withheld for the season. The last game, the last game, Super Frankie Lampart rolled out Conor Gallagher and Golo Conte and Raheem Sterling. Not as a midfield three. Not as a midfield three. That was his attacking Three in a game that, that was on television that people could watch. Like that wasn't a <laughs> scrimmage. That wasn't happening behind closed doors. That wasn't FIFA where he was just messing around at three in the morning drunk. He did that in a Premier League match that people could see. It was an attack against God after spending half a billion dollars on attackers and rolling out Cotter Gallagher and Golo Conte and Raheem Sterling. This team does not give half and s they do not care and therefore why should i care and like my biggest problem with this brett my biggest problem with this is everyone on the team is playing to leave not to stay and evaluation of who should stay is impossible because the management is so poor like how do you manage? it's like going to the circus and trying to like scout for a guitar player it's like okay how do I judge him with all the clowns running around him and like the horns <laughs> and the scars being thrown in the air? Like, I don't know if he's any good. The circus is here. So it's a, it's wasting money. It's wasting time. It's wasting my life force. Give me arsenal. I I would, I'm just, the only thing I had to debate is the minus half a goal or the minus goal and a half. I stuck with the minus half a goal. Cause I think he's going to scrap that most of that 11. And if they play mudrick, and they play pool sick and they play some other guys who are you know trying to either play for this contract or their next contract and not just playing um, out of obligation to get to the beach. Then they have at least one shot in hell of scoring a goal here. One last thing, one last thing, Brett, one last thing before I hear your thoughts, okay. uh, you go to the anytime goal scorers. How many arsenal players do you think are listed are more likely according to the odds makers to score a goal than any of the billion dollars the billion-dollar Chelsea lineup. The billion dollars they have spent to generate a goal. How many players on Arsenal before you get to a single Chelsea player?
1: I would say it would be the five most likely. McKinney, Aprius, Vedderad, Saka, Martinelli, Jesus, and Odegaard. Am I right? Eight. Eight. It's eight? Oh, God. It's eight, Brett.
0: They spent <laughs> a billion dollars, and I crap you not. You're welcome, Michael. I'm trying my best not to curse. I crap you not. Reese Nelson has better goals. has goal better goal scoring odds than any single <laughs> player oh, for the Chelsea awesome. men's team that was the world that was the world champions 12 months ago in the Club World Cup, 24 months ago in the Champions League. And now they're less likely to score a goal, any single player than Reese Nelson.
1: Your witness. I don't even really know what I have to say to that. I mean, I, I mean, the, the the sad part is, is that the only thing that uh, like someone like Mudrick has to play for it is uh, whether he's not, he's going to play for like Augsburg next year in the Bundesliga on loan. Um, no, hell
0: no. He's going to play the sun role for Puccettino, is what he's going to play.
1: Oh boy. That's, that's a lot of hope, but, um, that, uh, the whole rant just made me wish that we had like a soundboard feature on the show, because when you were doing the, in a match, people can see all I could think of was Ron Swanson yelling at Tom during the bowling, when he's doing the granny pole. People can see you, son. I just <laughs> needed that quote, like in the middle of your rant. Um, but no, I mean, I don't. There's really nothing to add. We talk a lot about Arsenal. You clearly have laid it out about Chelsea, <laughs> Just, and I don't even want to dogpile on that one. So I'm taking the Arsenal, uh, the Arsenal spread. I'm taking the the both teams to score no as the prop bet because I'm very confident that Frank is going to roll out some weird lineup that doesn't have his best attackers again. Um, and I think if the, if any version of Chelsea probably winning this match is probably that Arsenal fails to put the ball on the back of the net. So I like the uh, the idea of the both teams to score. No, it you basically even money at plus 100.
0: Hey, do you um do you know who scored the goal of the month for Chelsea? This game's in May, so it's already settled. you know who scored the goal of the month for Chelsea in April? No one, because no one scored. It was Connor Gallagher on a deflected ball because it was literally the only freaking goal of the month. There was only one candidate. On a crap
1: deflection was the goal of the month for Chelsea. I was actually close then with my no one because no one scored. (laughs) I was was one off. Almost an own goal. I was one Uh, off. (laughs) So
0: uh, Arsenal win to nil is plus 175. Ejected in my veins. And if you want to go all out here with the Fade Chelsea podcast, plus 340 for Arsenal to win at least two uh, to nil. Plus 340. And that, that is what Brentford just did. That is what everybody is doing to them. And you're getting plus 340 that the league leaders aren't going to do it to these suckers.
1: <laughs> uh, we need the season to be over so your blood pressure isn't spiking. You stroke out in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> yeah.
0: Also, um, uh, Partey plus 650 to score. Kepa can't see a long-range ball, and he hits great ones. Those are my, my bets. Not a single Chelsea one to be seen. Uh, and it's because of great bets like that. I am still whooping up on you on the five pint. Don't let the Chelsea yeah, now. Chelsea's just, dead. Now they're dead. I'm seeing the board extremely clear. Like I've lost so many bets on Chelsea this year that I would love to see my plus my non-Chelsea uh, like tally. I've got to be like plus thirty units. Um, but for the five pint, I'm up twenty two to thirteen for you on April. Yeah, so
1: destroyed.
0: That's all right. With your high variance, you can always come back, but I'm, I'm liking my odds, and that's why I, I went a little more conservative for once here, Brett. I've got some minuses in here. I'm going okay. uh, United and Aston Villa both to score, yes, at minus 160. City win, and both teams score at plus 190. Pool and Spurs over three and a half goals at plus 135. Arsenal to win at minus 145, and then City minus a goal and a half portfolio blind bet right now at minus 140. How about you? Uh,
1: well, I'm going in on uh, the, on a couple of negative numbers here, which is probably not great for my comeback chances, but we'll see. The big one is going to be the, the Aston Villa United draw plus 280 for a pint. Um, the only other plus one I have is Liverpool to win and both the score at plus 175. And that one I'm putting two pints on. So that's going to be my big like one it. for the week. Uh, But then I'm going city minus one and a half at minus 140. And then the city clean sheet went at minus 106. Uh, Can't wait till Dan James scores in the third minute. That's going to be great to lose that one immediately. Um, But yeah, it's hard just not to bet city related things, even though they're not great numbers. But it's city, man. It's the machine. Feed the machine.
0: (laughs) I did bet last week. Southampton and Arsenal to not score the first 30 minutes and Southampton scored 30 seconds in. Yeah. <laughs> it was oh, tremendous.
1: Yeah. Al Karaz, baby.
0: <laughs> oh, that was so fun. And this show was so fun. Thanks for sticking with us. I know that draft was a little longer at the top before we got to the actual gambling, but we we enjoyed it quite a bit. I hope you did as well. And we will be back next week with our usual interchange of horrible advice backed by expert analysis. Take care, everyone.